the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the show. It's Sunday night. That night, that special night of the week, you know, it's Bible study night. This is Untethered Live, and I'm your host, Jake Johnson, welcoming you in, telling you to come on in, take your shoes off, set a spell. Let me learn you a thing or two. Hey, there's a Julie Berryman right off the bat. Welcome, Julie. Welcome to the show. It's the day after my birthday. I had a good day. I hope you guys uh, had a good day, too. Um, I went to my sister's house, and they had me lots of cake. Three different cakes, actually. Still got some left. Can't eat that much cake. And two different ice creams. It's quite nice. Lots of nice cards and cash. Cash is always king. Gotta love it. Anyway, doesn't matter. It's a good day. Uh, Friday, I had a show at a little place in Greenville, North Carolina. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the birthday wishes. Uh, did a little show in Greenville, North Carolina at a place called Nash. It's like a... Uh, hmm like a bar and grill kind of thing with a nice stage and a nice crowd and young people and you know it's quite nice so i rocked the house out as usual you know how it goes go in there and do my thing it was quite lovely uh and then uh see what else did i do this weekend band practice twice this weekend friday and saturday no no thursday and saturday friday was the show and uh, now here we're here, ready to do some Bible studying. I hope everybody's ready for that. It's always good. We're in the great book of Leviticus, chapter 7, verse 7. The book of the law, Leviticus, from the Levites. Uh, let's see. My brain is a little scattered today, I'm trying to pull all my thoughts together in a hurry. It's interesting. Have you ever heard of Bible codes? That's the thing where they go in and, and uh, look for patterns in the Greek or Aramaic text. And they found quite a lot of them. One of which, this is interesting, the first five books of the Bible is known as the Torah or, or uh, the books of Moses. And that's uh, the, the very first part is Genesis and then there's the law. And then we talk about some other stuff in the Exodus and all that. But if you go in the Greek, I mean, sorry, in the Hebrew, every 48 letters, there's a letter. And that letter is one of the letters of the name of God, which is YHVH. That's the unspeakable name. Every 48 letters spells out the name of God throughout the first two books. First book, it does it every 48 letters. Second book, every 48 letters. You're like, holy Holy God, there's something going on here. Then you get to the third book, and it doesn't do it. And you're like, Phew. 
man, I thought that was something weird. Then you get to the fourth book, and it does it, but it does it backwards. Every 48 letters spells out the Word of God. And then you get to the fifth book, and it does it again. So you got two books on either side of Deuteronomy. I believe it's Deuteronomy. Uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. Correct me if I'm wrong. Anyway, the third book. Uh, two books on either side pointing at that book. God spelled this way and God spelled this way. That's interesting. And that's where you get the law, by the way. So it's pretty interesting. Hey, there's April. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to see you. Nice, everyone. 41 letters spell the word of God. Is it 41? I think it's 48. Check me and make sure I'm right. I could be wrong. I'm not usually, but it's possible. Anyway, it's very interesting that that happens. And there's more things like that in the Bible. If you're interested in that kind of thing, check out my uh, Genesis 1-1, which is about, I don't know, 20 videos back or something. I go full on to do a full hour and a half on the first sentence of the Bible and everything that's encapsulated in it. So if you're into that, check that out. And it's labeled Genesis 1-1, and it's a few videos back. But it's there for all to see, and it's quite a good study. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I don't know. I thought I just heard you say it was repeating. Yeah, well, it is repeating, but it's every 48 letters. I'm pretty sure that's the right number, but I might be wrong. I, I wasn't prepared to talk about it, so I don't have the actual facts in front of me. So it might be 49 or 50 or 30, but I think it's 48. That's just going off the top of my head. But the Hebrew language is funny like that. It does a lot of weird things. Not only does every letter have a meaning, but every letter in conjunction with other letters have a different meaning, and every letter has a number associated with it, which has an even further different meaning. So you can get a lot out of that language, and it's not really faking. You can't really fake it, because if it isn't written exactly like it was written, then it doesn't say the same thing, which means it doesn't have the right value. You see what I'm saying? That's called an acrostic when it happens like that. And they're written in such a way that you can't change them, that they have to be exactly like they're written or don't hold the same meaning. And that happens a lot in the Bible also. And that's one of the reasons that we still have a copy of it. You know, it takes a lot for a book to survive as long as this one has. In fact, I can't think of any others that do. Like, we only have, like, three copies of Homer's Iliad. You know, that's not a lot. Yet we unquestionably believe in that book's existence and who wrote it, and we don't even know who Homer is. He could even be a collection of authors. We don't know. But there are something like 11,000 copies of the Torah, which is unheard of for a book that old. But the reason we have it is because the one thing, the practices of the uh, ancient priests who would memorize these books by, by rote, by speaking it, kind of like the Masons do with their um, catechisms, you have to speak it. Therefore, it's the same words that the last guy spoke because you learned it from him, and he had to speak it. And so you speak the same words that say the, you know, 
20th president who was a Mason spoke in the same room that he was in. So you're no different than he is, you know. So that's how they did the Bible. They would pass it down by, by speaking it, by memorizing it. That's one way. And another way is writing letters. A lot of preachers in those days, a lot of priests would write letters back and forth between the churches to argue points or to question things. And because of that, we can recreate almost all of the Bible with the exception of about 11 books. We can recreate all of it just from the letters that priests wrote back and forth, like in Corinth. It's pretty interesting. That's a deep dive that we can go down one day if you like. Indeed fact. I hear you. I got my first copy right claim today for posting me singing Redneck Games in 1997. LOL, but it's still on my wall. Yep, well, I get those all the time. And usually if you ignore it, it'll just go away. But if you get enough of them, they'll take the channel away from you. And I can't afford that at this point. So, hey, Andrew, good to see you back. Who was the president after Ulysses S. Grant? I don't know. You tell me, and we'll both know. MVTV, what's up, brother? I get copyright strikes two out of three times, but allowed to use. I don't care. I hear you, brother. Me too. But I do care because I put a lot of work into this channel. I'd hate to get it knocked down just because I refuse to listen to them tell me that I can't play a song. I uploaded some videos. I really am learning the process. Yes, you are, and I'm proud of you. By the, speaking of videos, I believe I was promised a birthday video, <clears throat> which I currently have not received a day after my birthday. Mm, but thank you for the gift. I greatly appreciate that. So all is forgiven, as if it wasn't already. But you know what I mean. Hi, Andrew. Good to see you, says April. Glad you made it back, buddy. Sorry I pissed you off the other day. It happens. Each strike is either copyright owner allowed to use on YouTube or allowed to use with ads, yet no ads ever show. Not worth their attention. Yeah, there's a team of lawyers that that's all they do is hunt people that use material, and they'll get you for anything. There's an algorithm that recognizes patterns, and they pick up on it. So even if you play a cover, which is in a different key than the original, even if you change it, which is supposed to be the law, by the way, according to fair use, if you change it, then that's constructive. Then you're making a critique on the art rather than copying it. You're adding your own thing to it. That's why they get, the rappers could get away with using bits of other songs in their work because they're changing the meaning of the song. But even if you do that, that algorithm will pick up on it. I know because I've done it. It means that you're just that dang gum good, LOL. <laughs> it don't mean that. I ain't that good. But thank you. You're welcome. More's coming, I promise. I wasn't expecting that, so that was topping on the cake right there. Thank you. I am grateful. That means a lot. <coughs> uh, it was an interesting 
birthday, put it that way, different than all the other ones I've ever had, namely because certain people weren't there, but, you know, it's different. Well, that's my belief, and I'm sticking to it. Well, you can believe I'm great all you want. Don't make it so, but I like it. I like where your head's at. <laughs> Floods float all boats. Really stupid, as it usually lets others know about whatever it is, or they revisit the originals. Maybe. Total Blackout Painting. What's up, buddy? Good to see you. Aloha, folks. Can't stick around, but I wanted to drop in and say happy birthday to Jake. Well, happy birthday back to you. Thank you very much. I'm, I appreciate it. And stick around as long as you can. It's good to have you. But you are good, Jake. Come on. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Good to see you, Total Blackout, says April. Well, you guys are popping tonight. And thank you for coming, by the way. I appreciate you, each and every one of you. Especially you. You know who I'm talking about. Thanks for stopping by. Much love, says April. Your tuxedo's with you. Hmm? Oh, that wasn't for me. I don't own one of those. I do own a suit, but it only comes out for funerals and court dates. Man, I always turn the heat on in this room to get it ready to do the podcast because it's always cold in here. And it's downright stuffy now. Can't hardly breathe. Got to cut that heat off. He has what we call tuxedo cats, black and white kits. Interesting. I have seen one of those before. There's a particularly sad one on the internet called Richard. If you've ever seen that one, you know what I'm talking about. It's sad. He's got a white spot on his face. Looks like a penis. Poor cat. He paints them on. Oh, okay. Interesting. As you can tell, I haven't done my homework. I apologize for that. I've been rather busy this week. Very. I've had very little time to even sleep. OMG, Jake, really? Yes, really. Look up Richard the Cat. You'll see it. Notice the name Richard. What short for Richard is the cat. Anyway, we got a nice book we're going to get into in a little while called Leviticus. We're in chapter 7, verse 7. If you guys got your Bibles handy, you will later. It'll be a fun one for you to watch. Let's go down, shall we? Can I have a book? There it is. All right. Let's get to doing some reading, shall we? Oh, there's one I hadn't seen before. What is that? Hands or clouds? Can't tell. Interesting emoji. I think it's hands. 
hearts have hands. As the sin offering is, so is the trespass offering. There is one law for them. The priest that maketh atonement therewith shall have it. In other words, he'll, he'll know the law as to what is required to the offerings. Remember, we're talking about offerings and the different meanings of them and so forth. Oh, the hands are holding the heart. I see. Somebody else's hands. Gotcha. And the priest that offereth any man's burnt offering, even the priest shall have to himself the skin of the burnt offering, which he hath offered, which means he gets to eat the skin. And if you've ever eaten chicken, you know the skin is the good part. All right, now you're just toying with me. What is that? That looks like me when I wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Mm. And all the meat offering that is bacon in the oven, baked, bacon isn't a word. It is, but it's for eggs. <laughs> baked in the oven. And all that is dressed in the frying pan and in the pan shall be the priests that offereth it. Oh, he gets all the good stuff. He gets the fried food. While priests die of heart attacks early. Mm, I don't know if that's true or not, but I said it. Sorry, carry on. That definitely looks like me at 5 o'clock in the morning. And every meat offering mingled with oil and dry shall all the sons of Aaron have, one as much as another. So that's nice. They all get an equal portion of uh, nice fried foods. And this is the law of the sac sacrifice of the peace offering, which he shall offer unto the Lord. This is all to say that it was quite complicated to atone for sin back in the day. It took a lot of effort, took a lot of money because, you know, raising livestock ain't cheap even back then. Owning livestock ain't cheap even back then. And then to have to sacrifice them for dinner, that's kind of interesting. Because there's a lot more of it going on than what they would typically eat for their family. We're talking about feeding the whole congregation with the sacrifice, and namely the priests and their sons. So, Jesus Christ did a lot with his sacrifice that nobody ever talks about. And the effort for forgiveness of sin is one of them. You hardly ever hear anybody talk about that. Jesus' death put an end to all this practice. This law is no longer the law because of his death. This is one of the only things of the Old Testament that changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You hear people say all the time, well, that don't matter. It's Old Testament. Old don't mean forgotten. Jesus Christ himself said, I did not come to change one jot or tittle of the law, but to fulfill it. Meaning that it's exactly the same law, even now as it was back then. Nothing has changed. Keep that in mind as we read through all these hard books that are hard to, to listen to and hard to read through, because they pertain to you now as much as they did then. Now, obviously, there are some things that we've read thus far that pertain only to the people who were going to that tabernacle at that time because those were the people 
who built the tabernacle and toted it around, and they were required to be a peculiar people, set aside from the rest of the world, God's chosen people, as it were. That doesn't apply to you. So you have to know the difference between the two, and I'll point it out as we go through it. Uh, these laws obviously being one of them, circumcision being one of them. Paul was instituted so that he could teach circumcision of the heart, which is different than circumcision of the flesh. That's for the Gentiles, which you are among them, unless you're full-blooded Jew from the line of one of the 12 tribes. They don't apply to you. But it's still good to know about them. If he offered it for a thanksgiving, that's not the same thanksgiving that we observe today. That is the thanks for giving, you know, the real meaning of the word, not talking about November 25th. If he offered it for a thanksgiving, then he will, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mingled with oil and unleavened wafers anointed with oil, which is not as much oil as being mingled with oil. And cakes mingled with oil of fine flour fried. That's a fritter, ladies and gentlemen. That's the good stuff. That's the stuff that goes good with black-eyed peas and, you know, chicken. Keep that in mind. God knows how to eat. That's what I'm saying. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. Hmm. I'll read that again because I don't think that's supposed to be there. Besides the cakes, he shall offer for his offering leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offerings. Now, leaven, which is yeast, by the way, has always been synonymous or allegorious of sin. God don't like leaven. He don't want it in the tabernacle. I don't know why he's saying to offer leavened bread with this sacrifice because God don't like that as a general rule. We've read about it in the last reading, actually. We read about how God said no leaven, ever. I'm going to have to look into that. I'll get back to you on it because I don't, I don't agree with that statement. <coughs> I'm going to write a note down. Seven thirteen. Look into it. All right. I'll get back to you on that one. Don't know if I agree with it. And of it, he shall offer one out of the whole oblation for an heave offering unto the Lord. And it shall be the priests that sprinkleth the blood of the peace offering. So everybody gets a piece is what I'm saying. Everybody has a, a carved out section that is theirs. They always get that portion so that everybody eats every time this occurs which if you live in the desert is a pretty good deal because you don't know where your next meal's coming from. And the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings for thanksgiving 
shall be eaten the same day as it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. That's always the case. No leftovers. You eat what you can eat, and if there's any leftover, you burn it with fire until it's gone. That's been the case since the beginning of this. But if the sacrifice of his offering it to be a vow or a voluntary offering, meaning you didn't sin, you're just offering it to be part of the group, it shall be eaten the same day that he offereth his sacrifice, and on the morrow also the remainder of it shall be eaten. So you got two days to eat that one. But the remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day shall be burnt with fire. So you get overnight. You can you can have lunch in the morning and breakfast, but if it goes any further than that, throw it away. Now, why is that? Why is God saying that? Well, it's very simple, actually. We're talking about scavengers, or we're talking about, uh, I'm sorry, we're talking about sheep, or goats, or rams, or cattle. Well, they didn't have refrigerators in those days, and this is not the way you make jerky. This is the way you cook up a good ham hock, or something. Point is, if you have meat, and it stays out overnight, Chances are in the morning it's going to go bad. And if it don't go bad that morning, by that afternoon, certainly you don't want to eat it. It'll make you sick. <laughs> yeah, because God created botulism also. Correct. That's what I'm getting at. Botulism and diarrhea and all kinds of bad things that can happen. Yeah, you don't want to leave it very long. So that's the point. That's the reason that this is a law because they didn't have means. The only means that they had of, of saving meat in those days was to salt it heavily, like to keep it in a salt pack. That would preserve it because salt's a preservative. Or they could make jerky out of it, which is tough as shoe leather. But you can it'll last a long time if you make jerky out of it. But this ain't the way they do it. When you're cooking it over an open fire, this is the way you make you know, a, a rump roast or, uh, you know, veal pate or whatever it is they're eating. But if the sacrifice of his offering... Oh, I read that one, sorry. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offerings be eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, neither shall it be imputed unto him that offereth it. It shall be an abomination, and the soul that eateth it of it shall bear his iniquity. That means it's not going to count against your sin. It's not good. Thou shalt consume Twinkies without fear, for they do not decompose. Also, interestingly enough, McDonald's hamburgers don't decompose either. That ought to make you think twice about getting the uh, Big Mac. And the flesh that toucheth any unclean thing shall not be eaten because God created germs. That's right. And it shall be burnt with fire and is for the flesh. All that be clean shall eat thereof. Now, how many of you think that people have followed these laws? Because it's silly, right? Why? I'm not going to throw away perfectly good food. We'll hold it until tomorrow. We'll have it for dinner. How many people you think ignore these silly 
overbearing laws. And then, 2,000 years later, you have neck-bearded hippies that work at Starbucks with their man buns and their uh, effeminate names and their frosted tips saying, why does God let all these bad things happen? Well, if you'll go do a little research, you'll find out that God told you how to stop all that bad stuff from happening and you chose not to do it. How many diseases do you think we have, i.e. diabetes, cancer, whatever, that you name it? How many of those diseases do you think could be caused by our eating practices? <clears throat> if you go to the grocery store today, pick up anything that you find, doesn't matter what it is, flip it over and read the label on the back. And then break out your thesaurus and your Google and find out what those words mean because they're big words that you have no idea what they mean. When you figure that out, you tell me how much of it you thought was in it when you bought it or when you ate it. How many of those things you didn't know about? And you'll learn they put a lot of things in food. Most of it is a preservative some of it is for flavor. Some of it is for addiction. Yes, they cause things to be addictive so that you'll buy more of it. Tons, thousands, maybe millions. Yes, lots and lots. Point is, just about everything that happens to us as people is our fault. I'm not saying all of it is, but most of it is. Uh, one guy I read about years ago had a daughter, and she was out playing in the front yard, and he was doing something in the house, being a typical dad, you know, paying attention but not too close. And he went to the bathroom or something. He, his attention broke away, and he did something. And while he was doing that, his daughter chased a ball out into the street and got struck by a car, and she died. <laughs> I saw that guy on TV or something. Maybe I read about it. I can't remember. But he was saying, why does God let this happen? She's an innocent little girl. Why did he let this happen? God didn't let that happen. You did. I know that's a hard pill to swallow. I know it sucks, and it'll trigger almost anybody that's got kids. I know. I have kids. But I can promise you, I didn't let my kids anywhere near a street. I'm not saying I'm better than you. What I'm saying is... You have to be proactively aware of these things when you have children because anything can happen at the, any moment, even when you think you're safe. A plane could fall out of the sky, for God's sakes. But that's not God's error. That's human error. And these things happen all the time. So you got to stop blaming God for the things that occur in the world. We live in a fallen world. Everything in this world is evil. Everything. All of it. Even the righteous are evil to some extent. So you can't blame God for that sort of thing. You just can't. Not if you're thinking rationally. Not if you're really analyzing the situation. You have to realize that you either have free will or you don't. If you have free will, then God is not controlling you or your destiny. That's an oxymoron. You either have free will or you don't. God says you have free will. That means he's hands off. 
He set this whole thing in motion, but you are the captain of your ship. You can sail your ship across the seven seas, or you can drive that sucker right into the rocks. Either way, God will let you do it because that's your choice. That's what it means to be free. That's liberty. That also makes you responsible. That means that you are responsible for what you do. You get the rewards for the good stuff and the punishments for the bad. It's on you. Thank God we have a guy in our history called Christ who died so that we had an out. He bought and paid for that sin on the cross. And now you are not beholden to it. Now you are in lieu of him through him to God, meaning he is the benefactor of your estate. He owns it. Whatever you accrue in this world has to go through him because he paid for it already. That means that you have to go to him if you want resolution for anything that has occurred in your life. I'm not telling you you need to get saved. I'm not saying Jesus needs you now. Come to the altar. What I'm saying is, is if you want resolution, there's only one place to get it, and you have to go there, and that's between you and God. I have no part in that deal. That's between you and him. That's not my job, but I will tell you that it is an option. It is available for you. Go do it or don't. It's up to you. The greatest hardships become the greatest adventures once they pass. Assuming you come out okay, but point. I agree with you. Sometimes when you look back on hardships, you find that you learned a great deal. And you actually come out ahead because of that. That is true. Sometimes it just sucks to be you. And sometimes things just hurt. And I apologize for that. But that's the world we live in. And the 90s were not successful in actually nerfing the world. They thought they did, but they didn't. <laughs> but the soul that eateth of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings that pertain to the Lord, having his uncleanness upon him, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Don't go before God with your filthy tail. Go clean yourself uh, legally before you approach God. Wash your hands, wash your feet, wash your face. Pray, do whatever is required of you. When you go before God, be clean, physically and emotionally. Because if you're not, he ain't going to listen. He doesn't, he doesn't like that. Moreover, the soul that shall touch any unclean thing, unclean in this context means dead, by the way. If you touch anything that's dead, or uh, there are other unclean things, like menstrual cycle is unclean. Um, I'm trying to be tactful here, but it's hard. We're talking about filth. Dead things, semen, any sex act, Anything like that, menstrual, blood, or anything that it touches, all of these things are unclean. Uh, defecating is unclean, you know, using the bathroom. Say you had uh, went to the bathroom and didn't wash your hands. You are now considered unclean. So if you go before the Lord, he's going to, for lack of a better word, he's going to smell it on you. 
and uh, you need to be clean. That's what I'm saying. Make sure you get under your fingernails, too. Moreover, the soul that touch anything unclean as the uncleanness of man, that's what that's talking about. You know, natural filth, sex, bathroom, spit, the whole nine yards, death, or anything unclean from beast, which is the same thing but for animals, or any abominably unclean thing, and eat of the flesh of the sacrifice of peace offerings. In simpler language, if you don't wash your hands and you dig in, you're contaminating everybody with your filth. Don't put your hands on the food unless you've washed them. And don't cross-contaminate, ladies. Don't handle your chicken and then handle your beef. Wash your hands. <laughs> Which pertain to the Lord, even that soul shall be cut off from his people. Why? Because you nasty, dog. That's why. You nasty. Go wash. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Ye shall eat no manner of fat of ox or of sheep or of goat, and the fat of the beast that dieth of itself, and the fat of that which is torn with beasts, meaning it got killed by another animal, may be used in any other use, but ye shall in no wise eat of it. You can't eat it. You can make soap out of it. You can... uh I don't know, whatever you do with fat. Or you can use the skin of the animal to make clothing out of or whatever. But you can't eat it because it's filthy. Why is it filthy? Well, something happens to meat when an animal is excited. If you're a deer hunter, you know that you don't want to spook the deer before you shoot it because when it takes off running, all that adrenaline going through its body taints the meat, makes it taste bad. You want him to be blissfully unaware over there in the field eating with his head down. No idea anything is going on. And then pew, right in the temple. That's what you want. Because if that animal takes off running, you've ruined the meat. Well, that's what this means. If animals are killing each other, if it's torn to bits by another animal, you can bet his adrenaline was a pumping when he died. And that meat's no good. Also, if it dies of itself, what, what does that mean? If you found the animal dead already, don't eat it. Why? Because you don't know what killed it. Could be a disease. Could be, a, you know, any number of things. Could be worms. Don't eat that. You want your animal healthy and alive when you kill it. And also, you want to be engaged in the killing of it because that's where the meat comes from. It's a relationship between you and your food. It's a respect. You are pulling the food from the land. You worked for it. You fought the animal. You gained the meat. You fed your family. It's something that makes you feel good inside. Unless you've ever done it, you don't understand this. But it's true. It's a good thing to, to have a relationship with your food and to be respectful of the thing you killed and to honor it when you feed your family with it. If it's already dead, you didn't do anything to deserve it. So that's one thing. The other thing is you don't know how it died. So leave it alone. But don't eat the fat regardless. Now, this is not true today, of course. Obviously, we know that fat's good for the brain. It's good brain food. You need a certain amount of fat or your skin will get dry. 
you know, those things. But this case for sacrifice, don't eat the fat. Burn the fat up. God can be a vegetarian if he wants to be. You cannot. Yes, I know, I know, I know. I'm a vegan. Yeah, well, you ain't building any pyramids, are you? You know what I'm saying? You need that meat to have the energy and strength to do the things that men do and women. For whosoever eateth the fat of the beast of which men offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, even that soul that eateth it shall be cut off from his people. God don't particularly care for it, so don't do it. Moreover, you shall eat no manner of blood. Why? Because the life is in the blood. That's the purview of God, not the purview of men. Don't eat blood. It's not a good thing. Whether it be of the fowl or of beasts, in any of your dwellings, do not eat blood. Don't partake of it in any way. There are some cultures that say you get a high from it, that you gain the energy of the animal whose blood you're eating. I say it ain't worth it. God don't want you doing it. Don't do it. <clears throat> Whatever soul it be that eateth any manner of blood... Even that soul shall be cut off from his people. These are the laws, by the way. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, He that offereth the sacrifice of his peace offering unto the Lord shall bring his oblation unto the Lord of the sacrifice of his peace offerings. You don't get to hand it off. you got to bring it yourself. His own hands shall bring the offering of the Lord made by fire. The fat with the breast it shall he bring. That the breast may be waved for a wave offering before the Lord. See, even God likes breasts. And the priest shall burn the fat upon the altar. That's what the fat's for. For a savory smell, a sweet smell to God, not to eat. But the breast shall be Aaron's and his sons. They get to eat the good, the good white meat. And the right shoulder shall ye give unto the priests for an heave offering of the sacrifices of your peace offerings. He among the sons of Aaron that offereth the blood of the peace offerings and the fat shall have the right shoulder for his part. That's a pretty good hunk of meat too, by the way. Like a big chicken leg. <clears throat> For the wave breast and the heave shoulder have I taken of the children of Israel from off the sacrifices of their peace offerings and have given it them unto Aaron the priest and unto his sons by a statute forever from among the children of Israel. They all, that family always gets the breast and the, the thigh or the shoulder. They always get a, a breast and a leg. Everybody else eats the wings. Take that. That's why you should be a Jew. Don't be a Gentile. You get the wing. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was wrong. This is the portion of the anointing of Aaron and of the anointing of his sons. Out of the offerings of the Lord made by fire, 
in the day when he presented them to minister unto the Lord in the priest's office, which the Lord commanded to be given them of the children of Israel in the day that he anointed them by a statute forever through all their generations. This is the law of the burnt offering, of the meat offering, and of the sin offering, and of the trespass offering, and of the consecrations, and of the sacrifice of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses in Mount Sinai, even back when he was getting the Ten Commandments. This was on the table. This is what he was telling him how to do all this stuff and how to get it all right. That's why it took 40 days in the mountains. See, we're breezing through this. We're getting through this in a couple weeks. It took Moses 40 days and 40 nights to learn all this. <coughs> so much so that they didn't think he was coming back. They thought he was up there dead. In the day that he commanded the children of Israel to offer their oblations unto the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. That's the day. That's the day that all this got laid out. And it took them this long. I'm guessing we're a few years beyond that now. It took them this long to put it all into practice, to build the tabernacle, to set up all the stuff, to get everybody situated and trained on how to come in and go out and what jobs they needed to do and who was responsible for what. And also they needed to raise some money so that they could buy all the stuff they needed. So it took time. But they're here now and they're doing it, just like the Lord had commanded them to do so. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, and the anointing oil, and a bullock for a sin offering, and two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread. And gather thou all the congregation together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Moses did as the Lord commanded him. Why? We're about to find out. And the assembly was gathered together unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Moses said unto the congregation, This is the thing which the Lord commanded to be done. What? What is it? Keep us out of suspense already. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And Aaron said, uh, This ain't one of those Isaac things, is it? No, I'm not Abraham and you're not Isaac. Relax. They did not say that, but it's hilarious to think they did. And he put upon him the coat and girded him with the girdle and clothed him with the robe and put the ephod upon him and he girded him with the curious girdle of the ephod, which is a cummerbund, and bound it unto him therewith, which you remember it had all the little chains and everything the shoulder pads and the breastplate. and It's like, you know, armor almost. And he put upon the breast, sorry, he put the breastplate upon him. Also, he put in the breastplate the urum and thummim. What is that, folks? Mm, that's a big word, thummim. What does that mean? What is a urum? And I assure you it isn't what it sounds like it is. A Urim and Thummim is two objects. One is a box and the other is a rock. I'm being hyperbolic, of course. Could have meant anything. But basically, that's what these things are. A box and a rock. 
The rock is painted white on one side and black on the other side. Or there might be two rocks, one black and one white. Point is, there's an option. Put the rock in the box, you shake the box. Then you ask God a question. Yes, this is starting to sound a lot like a magic eight ball, because that's what it is. You ask God a question, a yes or no question. Are we going to win the war? Reach in the box, pull out the rock. Whatever side is facing upwards is your answer. White means yes, black means no, or vice versa. That's what a Urim and Thummim is. The Masons still use a form of it today to cast votes. They have white rocks and black rocks. Cast a vote, all white rocks, it passes. If there's a black rock in the midst, somebody said no. It's anonymous. But if it ain't unanimous, it doesn't go through. How do I know that? Because I are one. Anyway, trust me on this. It's a practice that didn't last very long. Why? God usually talks to people in person when he talks to them. Or he sends an angel. The Urim and Thummim apparently helped out during wars. Where you could ask God a quick question, yes or no. Should I do this or should I do that? You know, you can figure out for yourself how many ways you can apply that uh, black or white system, but that was what it was for. Did it have magic powers? I doubt it. Did God influence it? Obviously. That's what it says. What history says about the Urimathubam, that it was used in that manner. Did it ever work? I don't know. I wasn't there. But I assume if God included it, it worked. Hell of a lot more specific than those damn magic eight balls and their maybe sounds good and other non-directional answers. <laughs> That's why I stopped asking them. Yeah. Well, it's yes or no. You either do or you don't. And this is the way God did it. Now, can you make one? Seems pretty easy. I don't know. I don't know if that law still applies or not. I don't know if God has to tell you to do it or if it needs to be a specific box and rock. I don't know. There's no information about the Urim and Thummim in the Bible other than its existence. I had to learn from other sources what it was because obviously these are words I've never heard before. What does it mean? Where do you get one? Can I go buy one? Apparently not. <coughs> I don't know if flipping a coin is the same thing. It sounds to me like you're just following chance or maybe chance is the, the point. Maybe God gave them a chance machine. Here, ask the rock. I'm busy. I don't know. I can't, I can't advise you on this because there's no information to advise you with. It did exist, though. There it is. I'd rather not know most things, even those things I may want to know, if that makes sense. Yes, yes. Just because you want to know doesn't mean you should know. Or that it will do you any good to know. I agree. Heard. Anyway, I would love to have a Urimathubim. Have God give me yes and no questions. Or the answer to yes and no questions. But I don't know if that's still a thing. It may have only existed for these people in this moment. I know that they had one on the battlefield. I know it went with them when they were trying to decide what to do, Joshua's army and all that. I don't know anything about it happening beyond that. It's never mentioned again that as far as I know. This is the only time it was employed. So just knowing what it is may ease your tension a little bit 
as to what was going on in these days. As we continue, he put the mitre upon his head, which is a funny hat, like the Pope wears. Also upon the mitre, even upon his forefront, or his forehead, did he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord commanded Moses, which has something written on it. We talked about that last read, and I can't remember what it is just off the top of my head, but something that, like holiness, holiness, holy, holy, holiness, or something like that. I can't remember. But it's on the forehead of the mitre, worn as part of the getup. And Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein and sanctified them. Remember me telling you? You go to the supermarket and you buy 100% olive oil, 100% olive oil, virgin olive oil. Take a little bit of it and put it in a small vial. You can get that vial at the pharmacy or in a little eyedropper, clean it out and fill it up, however you want to do it, a little bit. And then you pray over it and you ask God to bless it and tell him that you intend to use this for anointing. Ask for his permission Ask for his blessing for it. Now you have a magic vial of anointing oil that you can use, and it will work. What will it do? Well, it'll make you oily for one thing, but it's the obedience. There's no magic, by the way. It's being obedient to God. It's the submissive role. Same thing as baptism works the same way. It's a public declaration of your belief in God, or it's a public display of your obedience to God. That's what anointing is. You anoint things that could be cursed or could be bad, and God immediately cleanses it. That's just the way it works. You can anoint your house. You can anoint your temple. Understand? You can anoint your children. You can anoint your car. Never hurts to have a little extra blessing. That's all I'm saying. Is there anything going to happen? I doubt it. But you are being obedient by using the oil of your people. And it is nice to have something to cling to. It is nice to have some ritual that bonds you with the Father. And this is one of them. There you go. That's the best I can be. And that's as honest as I can be. He sprinkled thereof upon the altar seven times and anointed the altar and all his vessels, both the laver and his foot to sanctify them. That's another thing. By using the anointing oil, you sanctify, making holy the thing that you have. So it is, in fact, at that moment, clean for God. So if you want God in your house, anoint it. That's all I'm saying. And he poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head and anointed him to sanctify him. So you can do it with people too, clearly. And Moses brought Aaron's sons and put coats upon them and girded them with girdles and put bonnets upon them. They don't get the mitre, the funny hat. They get the little silly flappy hat, the bonnet, as the Lord commanded because they have to be humbled a little, I guess. And he brought the bullock for the sin offering, and Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the bullock for the sin offering, and he slew it. And Moses took the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar round about with his finger, and he purified the altar, and he poured the blood at the bottom of the altar and sanctified it to make reconciliation upon it. That's the reason for it. 
I always thought that appealing to God for anything seems selfish when compared to the problems of the world or just other like single moms. <laughs> well, I believe that's a, a sentiment that we share. It's a little bit like survivor's guilt in that way. I've wrestled with this very concept, so I understand what you're talking about. But no, the simple truth is, is you cannot be responsible for everyone in the world. There's going to always be suffering. There's going to always be people who are blessed and people who are cursed, and that's just the way the world is. All you can uh, discernibly be concerned with is your family. That's enough. Just yourself is enough. But concerning yourself with your small group of people or your little congregation like this here. You ask God on, on behalf of them for his attention, and that is not selfish. You can't save everybody. You can't heal the world, no matter how bad you want to, and it is not selfish in the slightest for you to be concerned about your own well-being or people with you. That is totally acceptable. I do understand where that feeling comes from because I've had it myself. But I assure you, you cannot save the world. So just focus on saving you and yours. And that's good enough. It's actually a good thing. It makes you humble and righteous that you have thought of others before yourself or that you have a problem with that. And God recognizes that as a good thing, a good quality in your personality. So trust me when I say you're on the right path there. I'm home for a couple days, I hope. Hey, Caucasian, good to see you, buddy. Like, doesn't he have enough to deal with? Yes, he does. Welcome home, Caucasian. Good to see you, love. Thanks, all. I'm going to pass out now. Not before you wish me a happy birthday. Belated. It's my cousin. I can talk to him that way if I want to. Thanks, Jake. If I find tobacco in the next 17 hours before a giant blizzard is due, I'll call it good. I'd pray if not for that feeling, but I appreciate the word. Well, here's the thing. Pray. Please do. You don't have to ask for anything. Just talk to your father. It might do you good just to have a conversation with him like you're having with me right now. There's no harm in that. You don't have to ask for a thing. You can just tell him about your day. You can ask him questions. You can ask for an answer. He'll give you one. I promise. It may not be when you ask, but you'll get an answer one way or the other. Now, it's good for the soul to converse with the Almighty. Well, however you believe, whatever you think is out there, whatever you consider in your mind... To be God. Humans are hardwired for that connection and you need it. Without it, you are empty and alone. So I would encourage you all to say a prayer. Go in your room. Don't do it in front of other people. Make it a private thing. And talk to your father. Talk to him just like you're talking to me right now. The disembodied head on your computer screen. Go ask him how you feel. Go ask you. Go tell him how you feel. 
share with him what's going on in your life as if he hasn't seen it already. And watch things change for the better in your overall well-being, in your mental state, in the world around you, in the way that you communicate with other people. Do that for me. Do that for me if not for yourself. Happy birthday, brother. Thank you, sir. Welcome back, hon. How is the wife, Squatch? Loving prayers to you both. Yes, how is she? And how did the services go? Well, there's been a division of labor, but there were only ones that lived nearby. Hmm. But we're the only ones that live by. <coughs> we are the only ones that live by. I got it. Within 500 miles. Much love, Caucasian. Get some rest, hon. You need it, love. You both. I meant y'all both. <laughs> You're hilarious, April. Where was that? I got it. And he took all the fat that was upon the innards and the call above the liver or the gallbladder and the two kidneys and their fat. He said that. And Moses burned it upon the altar. But the bullock and his hide, his flesh, and his dung, he burnt with fire without the camp. Why? Because that's nasty. You don't want that in your camp. As the Lord had commanded Moses. So from the very beginning, cleanliness was included in the things that God were teaching. And a lot of people say that, you know, they had this idea that ancient people were dumb cavemen and they didn't know any better and they didn't understand germ theory and they couldn't have possibly known the things that we know today because they were clearly smarter. Or, you know, today's people are clearly smarter. That's not true. From day one, God is talking about things that concern germ theory. Now, maybe the people didn't understand, but God understood, and he told them how to handle it. Namely, by not touching unclean things, by how to sit in the river for seven days in the mornings if you have your, your uh, time of the month, to cleanse yourself. And it also is has antibacterial properties because in that particular river, in that particular part of the world, there's a strong uh, amalgamation of red devil lie, as we call it today, which is soap, by the way. So that, that the stream itself is clean. And if you know anything about that area, you'll understand what I'm talking about. <coughs> a lie occurs naturally in the world in certain places due to erosion and because there was much more salt content in the oceans than there is now back in the days before the flood and now that is dispersed all over the land and in strong concentrations in some places like in Texas at the salt flats uh, and at this place at the Red Sea Caucasian says we might be moving to Savannah wondering what to do with my house I don't know Keep it. Lock it up. Close it down. Lock it up. Keep it. Or sell it. I'd keep it. They don't make more houses. 
They make more houses. They don't make more land. If the house has land under it, keep it. Wow, when do you think? When are you moving, do you think? And he brought a ram for a burnt offering. Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of the ram, and he killed it. And Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. And he cut the ram into pieces. He parted it. And Moses burnt the head and, it, and the pieces and the fat. And he washed the inwards and the legs in water. Why did he do that? Well, some of you may know this. If you're a hunter, you might know this. Some animals have a small gland on the inside of their leg that if you cut it, it'll taint the meat. You can't eat it. So you got to be very careful not to cut that gland, especially in deer. They actually pee on that to attract mates. That gland releases pheromones, and they pee on it, and that causes the pheromone, the uh, chemical reaction to happen. So I'm assuming that these animals have the same kind of thing, which is why you would want to wash the legs before you burn it. It probably stinks. Anyway. <clears throat> and Moses burnt the whole ram upon the altar, and it was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet savor and an offering made by fire unto the Lord, as the Lord commanded Moses. From the swamp to the city, how will you survive that? whole idea of neighbors within sight is now appalling to me. A good neighbor is a neighbor you don't recognize. That's my philosophy. Yes, I'm a backwoods curmudgeon from way back, but I stand by my conviction. I don't want to know you. I don't want you to know me. I don't want to know what you're doing in your house or in your yard, and I damn sure don't want you to know what I'm doing in my house or in my yard. I don't call the law on you. I don't complain about your grass. I don't get in your business. I don't get in your way. And I expect the same from you. If a good neighbor is one I don't recognize. I have neighbors that live right across the street, right next door, and they have no idea what I look like. That's the way it ought to be. I may be able to trade the townhouse for the beach house. Maybe. Maybe. Except for neighboring ranches, I called Buckshot when my power went out. I did not get through. And later, he came over to check if I was okay. Different situation by far, though. Yes. Yeah, when you need a neighbor, it's nice to have one. It's not something you want to make an everyday thing, though. Amen to that, brother. Right on. And he brought the other ram, the ram of consecration. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands upon the head of that ram and slew it. And Moses took the blood of it and put it upon the tip of Aaron's right ear and upon the thumb of his right hand and upon the great toe of his right foot. Why? It's symbolic, obviously. And he brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put the blood upon the tip of their right ear and upon the thumbs of their right hands and upon the great toe of their right feet. 
And Moses sprinkled the blood upon the altar round about. And he took the fat and the rump and all the fat that was upon the innards and the call above the liver or the gallbladder and the two kidneys and their fat and the right shoulder and out of the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one unleavened cake and a cake of oil bre oiled bread and one wafer and put them on the fat and upon the right shoulder. And he put all upon Aaron's hands and upon his son's hands and waved them for a wave offering before the Lord. So this is like a symbolic ritualistic motion of obedience. That doesn't have any power. This is not a spell. This is not something they're doing to cause a reaction. This is just their way of giving the meat over to the Lord for that reason. For a wave offering. I don't know the significance of a wave offering. It's something that was lost in translation, I suspect. But apparently it was important to them at the time to make a distinction between certain sins and certain waves and certain heaves. So I guess no matter what you do, there's a level for it in the uh, forgiveness asking portion of the sacrifice. I don't know why they did it that way. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me now in my current way of living. But in those days, I could imagine it meant something. And Moses took from them off of their hands and burnt them on the altar upon the burnt offering, not their hands, the meat that he placed on their hands. And they were consecrations for a sweet savor. And it is an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And Moses took the breast and the waved it for a wave offering before the Lord. And for, the, for of the ram of consecration, it was Moses' part. So he got that breast. And the Lord commanded Moses, as the Lord commanded Moses. I can read. I'm not having a stroke. And Moses took of the anointing oil and of the blood which was upon the altar and sprinkled it upon Aaron. And he's like, hey, hey, that's my face. What are you doing? He didn't say that. And upon his garments, and upon his sons, and upon his gar his sons' garments with him, and sanctified Aaron and his garments, and his sons and his sons' garments with him. So apparently, this blood, once becoming part of the sacrifice, is part of the sanctification ritual, which is what they're performing at this particular moment. And why they do it that way again, I don't know, but that's the way they did it. Caucasian says it's in South Carolina, but it's only 45 minutes from her mom. No right turn on red. MTV says a sacrificial offering by the ancient Jews that was elevated and swung to and fro and then reserved for the personal use of the priest's families. Yes. I understand what it is. What I'm saying is I don't know the significance of it. I know that they waved it like so. But I don't know why they did it that way. I don't know why there's a difference between a wave offering and a heave offering, which clearly is lifting up something heavier than the wave offering, which is the right shoulder of the ram. The breast is the wave offering, and the right shoulder is the heave offering, and the fat, and, I mean, the, uh, the uh, other portions where they part the meat out is for a sin offering. And there's different types of offerings. 
I don't understand why the distinction is there because there's not it's not clear to us in the way we live our lives and the way we think as to what the meanings were, but I'm sure it had a meaning to them. And I'm sure that at that time, each one was significant to the portion of the meat that they were offering and the uh, forgiveness that they were asking for, for what sin or whatever. So it was slightly toasted tomahawk steak. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to sound smart like. Supposed to be a portion of a sacrifice that God then returns for their use. Yeah, they get to eat it. God, it, the sacrifice is in the burning of it, but they get to eat it. So it, it's two birds with one stone. They're basically having a cookout. That's I've always said that the sacrifice sounded a lot like a barbecue, and that's exactly what it is. They have the the grill and everything set up. They got the uh, the rolls that go with the meat, and they even throw corn cobs on there sometimes. You know, even some vegetables. It's a barbecue, but the act is for the atonement for sin and the filling of the belly at the same time. So you're killing two birds with one stone. Oh, so we throw it in the air and what? God wants to God what God wants he keeps? Yeah. No, you don't throw it, you just heave it. You just lift it up over your head. Like, see God, here's a steak. I'm gonna eat this now. <laughs> but I'll cook it for you. That's pretty much it. That's really what's going on here. I know it's simplistic and sounding, but that's what's happening. I've read it a thousand times, well, a few times, and I can promise you it don't get any better. This is what happens. They cook the meat. God accepts it as a, you know, offering for forgiveness. He forgives them, and then they get full, and everybody's happy. And that's it. <laughs> There's some discrepancy about what to do with the dung and the fat and the skin, we want to get that out of the camp, you know, you know, burn that outside the camp. But everything else, it's a it's a cookout, man. They're having a good time out there in the desert. That's all I can see. None of this was due just because God wanted to mess with us. Hell, I'd expect that. Well, it's entirely possible. God does have a sense of humor. He may have put these rules in place just to screw with Moses. I don't know. I can't say no to that because it's plausible. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, but unless you can think of another reason why God would require you to sacrifice something that you get to eat and benefit from, but there's a certain way you got to do it, you know. I don't know. I, that's why I said it's something that's lost in translation. They thought things a different way than we think things today because of the nature of our lives. Now we go Now we go to put our right foot out and shake it all about. <laughs> and God says do the hokey pokey. Thus and so. Hokey pokey to my word, sorry. Thou shalt hokey pokey to my word. Hmm. Listen it, it at the end of the day it does not matter why God wanted it done that way. What matters is that they did it the way he asked for it to be done. All jokes aside, and I assume it's okay that we laugh about it a little bit because it's in the past, one, and two, we believe in God. So it's okay to snicker about the meaning of things because it ain't that way anymore. 
But what's important is that the obedience occurred. And I have always preached obedience. I think that's the most important part of anything dealing with God. Excuse me while I like this stuggy. This is my birthday cigar, what's left of it. It's a very good uh, flavored $11 cigar. Tasty. Because I said so. Yes, sir. Now, that's how it works. Hey, Ricky, Fruce, don't be cruel, y'all. Well, we're not trying to be. Welcome to the show. It's a name I don't recognize, so welcome. I hope you consider pressing that like button and subscribe if I've earned your um, return business. And I hope that you enjoy the show and stick around. Be, feel free to ask questions. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. But that's what it's all about, says Caucasian. Yes, we're joking about sacrificial... Um, Rituals being a lot like the hokey pokey in that God says do and you do. And then he says do something else and you do that. <coughs> and that's what it's all about. So, yes, it is the hokey pokey. All right, we got time for a couple more and then I got to get out of here. I don't know what that flavor is. It's sweet. It almost reminds me of honey, but it's a little bit tamer than honey. I don't know what flavor it is, but it's delicious. If you get a chance to buy an acid cigar, it's made by a company called Acid. By all means, buy it and taste it. But it's expensive. It's about 10 bucks for that cigar. But it's delicious. If you're, if you're a connoisseur. It stays on your lips, though, that flavor. Greetings, Ricky. Welcome. Much love. Oh, let's see. Where am I? And Moses took the breast and waved it for a wave offering before the Lord. For of the ram of consecration, it was Moses' part. I read that. Okay, where are we at? And Moses said unto Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and there eat it with the bread that is in the basket of the consecrations, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. Yes, this in this case, we're talking about boiled meat, which is a little different. We're talking about making a stew now. And that which remaineth of the flesh and of the bread shall ye burn with fire, because ye don't leave leftovers. And ye shall not go out the door of the tabernacle of congregations in seven days, until the days of your consecration be at an end. For seven days shall he consecrate you. So apparently this is quite a labor-intensive process of God consecrating them once they've entered into the tabernacle. So they've done the sacrifice. Then they went to the door of the tabernacle and boiled and did a second sacrifice. 
and then they went into the tabernacle, in which case I would only imagine that God is ministering to them or instructing them or training them about their job titles or whatever. For seven days, they have to be in that tent being consecrated by God. And they can't leave until it's done. So apparently, it was quite an intense thing. And that which remaineth of the flesh and of the bread shall ye burn with fire. I read that. And he hath done this day. So the Lord commanded, as he had done this day, so the Lord commanded to do, to make an atonement for you. Therefore shall ye abide at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation day and night seven days, and keep the charge of the Lord that ye die not, for so I am commanded. So if they tried to leave the tabernacle within that seven-day period, they would die. So it's pretty serious, whatever's going on inside. It's pretty serious. You don't leave. So Aaron and his sons did all things which the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. And it came to pass on the eighth day that Moses called Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel... And he said unto Aaron, Take thee a young calf for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering without blemish and offer them before the Lord. Let's wrap this up. Let's put a little bow on this consecration. And unto the children of Israel thou shalt speak, saying, Take ye a kid of the goats for a sin offering and a calf and a lamb, both of the first year without blemish for a burnt offering. Also a bullock and a ram for a peace offering to sacrifice before the Lord and a meat offering mingled with oil. For today the Lord will appear unto you. Translation. All right, everybody. Go get a lot of meat and let's have a shindig. Let's have a cookout to beat all cookouts because today God's coming over. So we need to be prepared. Don't forget the dip for your, your chips, by the way. And bring lots of Mountain Dew. You know how God likes Mountain Dew. Anyway, it's a heck of a party they're going to throw because today God's coming. That's interesting. This is not listening to stuffy old guys talking about God and what they said when they saw him. This is everybody in camp is going to physically see the presence of God here today. It's happening right now. God's physically going to be here. That's pretty impressive even for back then. And they brought that which Moses commanded before the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the congregation drew near and stood before the Lord. And Moses said, This is the thing which the Lord commanded that ye should do, and the glory of the Lord shall appear unto you. And Moses said unto Aaron, Go unto the altar and offer thy sin offering and thy burnt offerings, and make an atonement for thyself and for the people, and offer the offering of the people, and make an atonement for them as the Lord commanded. Let's go ahead and make sure everybody is sanctified because God's here. Put your best foot forward and get it done. Good night, Caucasian, and thank you very much for popping by. I hope you have a good night. 
and I appreciate you. See you tomorrow night. <laughs> That's where we're going to stop. Oh, no, wait, one more. And Aaron therefore went unto the altar and slew the calf of the sin offering, which was for himself. And the sons of Aaron brought the blood unto him, and he dipped his finger in the blood and put it upon the horns of the altar and poured out the blood at the bottom of the altar. But the fat and the kidneys and the gall, or the gallbladder, above the liver of the sin offering, he burnt upon the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. And the flesh and the hide he burnt with fire without the camp. And he slew the burnt offerings, and Aaron's son presented unto him the blood which he sprinkled round about upon the altar. And they presented the burnt offering unto him with the pieces thereof and the head. And he burned them upon the altar. As he did wash the inward, the innards and their legs and burnt them upon the burnt offering of the altar. And he brought the people's offering and took the goat which was the sin offering for the people and slew it and offered it for sin at first, or as the first, sorry. And he brought the burnt offering and offered it according to the manner. And he brought the meat offering and took a handful thereof and burnt upon the altar beside the, the burnt sacrifice of the morning. So there's morning and afternoon sacrifices going on at the same time right here. He slew also the bullock of the ram for sacrifice of peace offerings, which was for the people. And Aaron's son presented unto him the blood which he sprinkled upon the altar round about, and the fat of the bullock and the ram, the rump, and that which covereth the innards, and the kidneys and the caul above the liver, or the gallbladder. And they put the fat upon the breasts, it's like stacked. We're, we're making hamburgers here, stacking meat. And he burnt the fat upon the altar. And the breasts and the right shoulder, Aaron waved for a wave offering before the Lord as Moses commanded. And that's where we're going to stop for today. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll pick up tomorrow night at 8.30 sharp Eastern Standard Time, chapter 9, verse 22. Man, what an intensive read it was tonight. I truly hope you enjoyed it. I hope you found inspiration. I hope you feel led to dig deeper and to learn more about the Word of God and the meanings therein. And I hope that it inspires you to come back because we're building something here. We're building a congregation of our very own. There'll be no sacrificing unless you're talking about the stogies, but that's the only fire going on here. But we will divide and conquer. We will learn the meaning of the Word of God. We will in our own way, worship our Father from this virtual church and this community that we are very proud of, to be part of and to have a, a communion with each other. Won't you do me a favor while we sit here and ponder the things we've learned tonight? Hit that subscribe button and press the bell icon so you get notifications of when I'm going to be online. Smash that like button. It's right in front of you. It takes no effort at all, and it really does help the channel with the algorithms, and it helps us get recommended to other people. Share this video with somebody you love. Better yet, share it with somebody you don't love. Bring them into the family. Make them part of the fold. Be part of their solutions, not part of their problems. Leave comments down below. Let me know what you're thinking about. Question me, curse me, bless me, challenge me, confront me, conform with me, drink my Kool-Aid. Make your own Kool-Aid as long as you're thinking critical. That's what I'm after. That's what I want. And hey, if you 
love the Word of God and you can see the value in what I'm trying to build here, and you'd like to be part of that, or if you'd like to support my work, if you'd like to help out in some small way, or if you feel led to send your tithes, offerings, or love offerings to where you're taught, that's what you should do, and you should go to paypal.me slash Band. Or if you're a Cash App user, go to dollar sign Jake Johnson Band. Every little bit helps. It's a win-win. It's a blessing to me, to my soul. It's a blessing to you and yours as well. God does notice these things. You know, ask and you shall be answered. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. Give and ye shall receive. That's the way we work in this reciprocal universe in which we live. But you have to initiate. That's how it works. Now going to get back to the video and answer all your questions and comments and be worthy in the best of my ability of your support and your confidence. Thank you for that. Now, questions, comments, criticisms, catharsis, anything else that starts with a C, bring it on. I'll see what I can do. Happy birthday, Jake. I want to go over the video I sent you Wednesday night. Maybe, unless something else happens. You sent me a video Wednesday night? Because I don't remember. I want to go over the video I sent you Wednesday night. Maybe, unless something else happens. When do you want to do that? And what video are we talking about? Send it to me again, because I don't think I got it. Great read tonight. Love you all. Good night, says Kevin. Good night, buddy. Thanks for coming by. No sports update, I see, but that's okay. MVTB says dot, 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 dot. Bye, Kevin. Good night. Hit that like button, everybody, says April. God bless. We all love you true. Amen. Thanks for your time, Jake. Hey, my time is your time. That's why I'm here for you. So thank you your time thanks for all your love and support jake happy birthday sweet dreams i do love you i love you true with all my heart honestly i do and i can't wait to see you tomorrow night and thank you for all your birthday wishes and thank you for the presents and the gifts i love you true you made my whole day and i, I really appreciate that so <laughs> my sister gave me cake you gave me love she gave me some cash, too. Good night to you, MVTV. Ricky, thanks for coming. We love you guys. Yeah, Ricky, if you're still here, feel free to jump in and ask a question or two or make a statement or, you know, whatever. My voice is coming and going, but that's all right. I'll go ahead and pray for tobacco before I get stranded for a week. Four-inch day for four days forecast, but time left. What is it? Is it a cash deal? You need money? Can you get to the store? What's the problem? Talk to Uncle Jake here. Let's see if we can't solve this problem. I know what it's like not to have tobacco. That's what I'm asking. You need some cash on? 
Let me know. Yep, ran out of everything, but may have a book sale waiting at the Merck. Well, drop me your uh, cash app. Send it to my email address or, you know, however you want to do that. Still the final 10 days of sacrifice until I'm okay forever. Just a matter of time. I hear you, brother. Well, stop complaining and send me your uh, cash app. I'll send you some cash. You can, here, I forgot this part. This is the part. Send it here at untetheredlivestream at gmail.com. Do you have Cash App? Let me know. Jake, I'll be happy to help MBTV love. If you want to, that's fine. And thank you. I greatly appreciate you. He did send me a book, though, so, you know, that's what we do, amen. That is what we do. We take care of our own. So I'll check my email in a minute and see if he sent me his link. Or if not, another way we can get it to you. It would be too late to mail it to you, so. But maybe okay tomorrow. I'm just nervous until I can do something. Open... Sobbing works good for the lady at the Merck. You're welcome. Much love. Well, MVTV, if you'll email to this email address right here on the screen at the bottom uh, left-hand corner or right-hand corner, depending on who you are, uh, we'll take care of you. Make sure you get some tobacco and some gas. Anyway, it won't be much, but it'll be something. Don't be embarrassed. Nothing to be embarrassed about. You think people don't take care of me? They do. Just send Jake your info. I can send it to Jake then. Jake can send it to you. However you want to do it. Ironically, I have gas and paid off power. So, looking good. Well, you need smokes too, buddy. I know how that is. Jeez, you guys. Don't, jeez, just send me your info, buddy. Let me pay for that book you gave me. And the video you made. That's worth at least five bucks. You know, I do better than that. At least get a carton of cigarettes or something. I wish I could do a bunch more, but we're all kind of tight right now. It's all good. It's as a Christmas gift. No worries, all right? That's right. Don't be don't feel shame at all. We're all buddies here. This is our congregation. And believe me. I'm going to call on you at some point to do something for this congregation. So don't feel bad about it at all. 
just let us know how we can get it to you. <clears throat> let me see. Yeah, you sent me an email with that book, so just send it to that same address. Even better, don't even consider it. Just take it and be grateful, and I won't ask for it back. And we don't do that here. That's right. If anyone wants to protect their ID addresses, I can send it to general delivery at your post office. What are you talking about? We're trying to send you some money. We need a cash app or a, a PayPal or something. Or address. I think it'd be too late if we mailed it to you. But Shutting up. Be aware. This is cringy as heck. But get nervous. Want to send a real printed book. Oh, oh, well, I'll send you my address. I ain't worried about that. Just email me with the way that I can send you some cash, and you can send me the book. I'll send you my email address. I mean, my uh, physical address. I'm armed. I'm not worried about it at all. I just don't want it all over the Internet. I really need to set up a post office. And eventually I'll do that. I really don't have a need for it at the moment. It'd be just another bill. But as more things come around where people want to send me stuff then I'll need to open a post office box, which I'm getting close to that point now. But either way, get it done quickly as you can, and that way we'll make sure you have it, and you can go tonight and get you some smokes and some snacks and whatever you need. Smokes are important. I know that. I've been out before. With no prospects of getting any, so I totally understand. And if you want to send me the real book, that'd be fine. That offer stands for anyone here. A real printed book is better than an e-book. Well, that's between you and them. If you want to get with them and sell them a book, that's fine. But you have to get them to email you. You want to drop your email so they can do that? I have it, but I'm not about to put it out in case you don't want it out there. Frustrating is with Christmas and Social Security due in eight days, but may be waiting for the storm to clear. We're trying to solve that problem for you, buddy. Just, you know. I'm monitoring my email as we speak. Okay.
All right, guys, I'm going to drop in the comments an email address for MVTV. Anybody wants to buy his fantastic book, which I've read part of now, and I can vouch for it. It is fantastic if you're into ghost stories and you want something to read over the Christmas break or if you want something to just put in your John and hit up when you're doing your thinking. Either way, it's a good, well-written, very good wordsmithing going on in this book. There's his email address. Send him a link or send him my email, and he'll send you a book for the right price, I would imagine. That's between you and him. Y'all work it out. But there's his email address. That is hauntedmarysville at gmail.com. I misspelled it. I didn't misspell it because I didn't type it. I just copied and pasted it from the email you sent me. How do you spell it properly? That's interesting. I copied and pasted. How did I misspell it? I will email you my address and that email address reply. Pardon me while I type this out real quick. There you go. Check your email. Oh, here we go. All right, I got it. Uh, we can, we'll take care of you tonight, okay? All right. I have enjoyed the night. We're reaching the top of the hour pretty quickly. And uh, we're handling business while we're talking. So I apologize for the the brief parlays. April, do you have Facebook? Messenger. 
All right, on your Facebook, says you got two mutual friends, two friends, one's mutual. Is that your Facebook? I'm going to send you a message. Tell me if you get it, April. All right, did you get that? I think we're the only two here, you and April. Thanks, Jake, and all. We'll pledge to be positive and constructive. I know you will. I've seen you on Twitter, too, but rarely tweet out myself. Yeah, I rarely use Twitter, but I'm trying to use it more now because Elon Musk has taken over, so it's a little different than it used to be. But uh, I still don't have a lot to say on Twitter. I'm just basically advertising the show. But I'll try to use it more often, put funny things out or something. Uh, maybe I'll put my uh, I'm Just Saying series out on Twitter. I usually say something snarky and end it with I'm Just Saying, you know. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Anyway, before tonight is out, we'll have you taken care of. We'll go get you some smokes and whatever you need. Oh, we love you, MBD. V. And we also love what you bring to the table. So you keep on bringing it. I'll put some cartoons in that. Jake, may be good for an antiques roadshow profit in about 30 years. I hear you. And it's a good cigar. I'm going to smoke it right down to the nub. It's delicious. Anyway, we had a good show tonight. Lots of people came in. I'm glad to have that. I've got to uh, do some figuring here. I can't wait to see your book. I bet it's fantastic. What I've been reading thus far is pretty cool. That ebook is pretty nice. Maybe you can give me some pointers on how to get a book published because I've been thinking about writing one myself, which would be nice if I could ever get it done. Lastly, Y'all can expect a case of sweet corn from the 2023 crop. I hear you. You don't have to pay back anything. What we're doing, we're doing because we love you and we, we know you need it. And we know that how that is because we've been there. Don't think about it. Don't even stress over it. It ain't a thing. We will get it handled. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm on bail. I love you guys with all my heart. Thank you so much for being here and being such a great conversation starter and, uh, you know, listening to my babbling. 
uh, have a great night. Do something for me. When you go out into the world tomorrow, take a page out of the book and be nice to somebody. It's not hard. Just be nice. That's all you got to do. Smile at somebody as you walk by. Buy a bum a sandwich. Hold the door for a lady. Help a little old lady cross the street. Whatever you want to do. Uh, just be nice. And I promise you it'll change your life. It'll make you better. It'll make you a better person. It'll make life a little more worth living. So I love you. And I'll see you tomorrow night at 8.30 sharp Eastern Standard Time right here on Untethered Live. Have a great night. And thanks for watching. Thank you.